Good evening, Patriots, and it's Sunday, January 22nd, in the year 2023. Hope you all had a really good Saturday and hopefully a relaxing Sunday as well. One thing before we get going is to make sure you are getting a good night's sleep, and to do that, of course, we have one of the best companies we could ask for for that sort of thing. That's MyPillow.com. Mike Lindell has done an enormous service to this nation, constantly funding efforts to restore our faith in the election system, to reveal the corruption that's there, and all the while continuing his faith and strength in Jesus. And he's using that to build a company that truly is an iconic brand in our time of the values that are American and unfortunately are too far and few between. So MyPillow.com and, of course, forward slash Bards is our landing page on MyPillow space. MyPillow.com is the place to go and find some of the best products you can or that are really available for great sleep. And with the peace of mind that knowing that every dime you spend is going to a company that lives its values and lives the values that are in alignment with the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution and with Jesus. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Use your promo code Bards. 
You're not going to be disappointed on any product you have there. Enjoy sleeping on amazing sheets like the Giza cotton sheets, the MyPillow Classic, getting a great night's sleep, being refreshed, and being ready to enter in this world and continue this fight for God and country as we must. And if you want to talk to a real person, you can call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939. Again, use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and you will not be disappointed. So again, MyPillow.com forward slash BARDS, promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. All this information is always below the podcasts. So today, I put the picture up for those who are asking in our Telegram family room. And it's the picture of the new calf that was born on my birthday next to its mother. It's a, it's a calf. <laughs> it's cute. And eating a lot and doing well, which is wonderful. And it's just kind of a simple reminder of the balance of things. Every time I'm out there on the cows, there's always a simple reminder of the balance of things. And in the midst of all this craziness, in our world, we need to remember the balance of things. And in the balance of things, not to be swept away or obsessed with one idea over the other, because quite frankly, we're in a time when we honestly have no clue what's coming at us. So when you look at an animal's life, like a cow, and they're not focused on tomorrow. Matter of fact, to give you a perfect example of this, and they really don't even know about yesterday for that matter. I drive into the property. They were fed yesterday. And they're still, we unrolled that roll of that big round of hay. So they were feeding on that. But they weren't then when I drove in. They were on the other side of, there's a lower pasture. It's about 25, 27 acres. So they're on the other side of that 27 acres. As I drove in, and by the time I drove in and, did some checking on the barns, and drove up to the house. They had decided it was time to be fit. And by the way that they were talking to me, you would swear that they were starving to death. And an an inexperienced ear would think, what have you done to those cattle? Because they they, they lived so in the moment, the only thing they recognize me for is a source of food. <laughs> I'll have to see how that changes when I become the butcher. I'm sure that will have an interesting effect. Not sure it'll be positive, but I am at this point the food man. So I'm a positive impact on their life. Though they really won't really get that I'm a negative impact because they'll be separated anyway. When that happens, because you don't want to kill a cow. It's not, you can, but you don't really want to shoot a cow or put a cow down between the others because then you have to wait for this long ritual goodbye. And they do do it, by the way. They'll walk around and they all moo and they say goodbye and they nuzzle it and they all have to say goodbye. And it can take quite a while. And in the meantime, you've got to get that meat, that animal bled out and started the butchery. But another story. So it's a pretty simple way of living because it's everything is in the moment and in the moment it's very it's almost becomes reactionary there's plenty of grass and then when you add hay there's plenty of extra hay but then when I come up they're like hey I need more hay 
but you've got hay on the ground, which they also insist on nuzzling in and sleeping in and pooping in, which always cracks me up because it's like, dude, like you got hay and that you decide, you decide that you want to just like drop a load in the middle of your hay. That's not helpful for eating, but that that's, that's the way a life of a cow is. There's really no rationale or consequential thinking, which is interesting because to a large degree, we have a chunk of humanity right now that's swept up in non-consequential thinking. And it's also very narcissist. And that is a very self-obsessed way of living that I can poop in my own food or my, because it's not just food, it's bedding, it's other things to them. It's a multi-use product when you bring hay to the field. They love it while they're eating on it, and they love it when they're pooping on it, and they love it when they're sleeping on it. So I don't know that they discern the consequence of any of that very well. But that's cows. And unfortunately, that's become a certain measure of how people are, very self-obsessed in the moment. And so in that balance of things, we, it's very easy to become fixated on one item or the other. And that's when we become fixated on one process. Like I'm going to become, they're fixated on the, on the needing another bale of hay or another round bale of hay. Not realizing there's still plenty of hay there, but then making that additional decision today, apparently that it was an extra special time to bed down on the hay that they had, which made it even more impossible for them to eat it. But that's them. Like I said, but there's plenty of grass on the field to feed from. But it's always, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And there's one particular cow. And that cow is a black baldy calf steer, in fact. And he has decided that during the midst of what this, when this little drama always goes on, he's the only one that has figured out how to get through the bob wire fence, which we've now repaired twice, which we're going to change to a woven wire fence, but that's, again, more than I'm going to talk about tonight. And he's decided how, he's figured out how to get through the bob wire fence, cross the road, and then go to across the road and go into the other field where the grass is just the same, but like they always say, grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, quite literally. And he plays over there a little bit. The other day, he decided that it was a good idea to do uh, JJ's and sprints up and down the driveway. I watched him, and I was just—I I was like literally watching a young kid. Good thing the gate was closed at the bottom of the road, which I do close most of the time. But he decided that it was fun to walk down to the gate and then sprint up the hill, and then walk down to the gate and sprint up the hill until his mother called him, and then his age showed through because then. He quickly crawled through the fence and went bolting to her. And the first thing he did was nuzzle up under her and start suckling on her udder. <laughs> so he's obviously still got the youngness in him to um, to be what he is, right? All this ultimately relates back to us. And of course, I'm always blessed on the weekend because I have great conversations with people. And in so doing, I have conversations that take us to places and considerations of where we are. 
and that ends up being a lot of my weekend is to reflect a lot on where we are, where we're going and what, how God is leading us. And I'm blessed to have some really good people in my life that enjoy those conversations that have great wisdom to share and give me things to feed on in my mind. Henry David Thoreau wrote, things do not change. We change. There's a lot of wisdom in that statement. And so when we're in this place right now, when artificial intelligence is knocking things out at full speed and the World Economic Forum is telling us what our future is going to be, that we're not going to own cars, we're going to eat bugs, we're going to eat lab-grown meat, we're all going to be living in 300-square-foot low-carbon footprint boxes, we're going to be digitally integrated, we're going to have chips in our brain, And I'm driving out in this rural area, which is about a 35-minute drive, 40-minute drive from my house. And I'm looking at the scenery, and I'm looking at the people around. I've never seen more cows being raised right at this point other than the time when I grew up here when it was even more rural. And that's really heartfelt because people are hearing and feeling the change in the world, and you're starting to see cows in places I never thought I'd see them. And it's wonderful to see because that's taking responsibility for the food. And I drive on out and I see sheep and I see people building barns and I see more cattle. I see horses and I see the wild turkeys and I see the amount of work that are being done on fencing to build new pastures. And I really realize how much of what we're being told is trying to change us rather than we just being constant with who we are. So much of the world and the propaganda in the world right now is trying to change us so that we will accept change rather than us just saying no. And we're falling for it. Another great quote by Henry David Thoreau, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. Such a deep statement. And what is happening is as they're trying to force this propaganda into our heads, we're literally being shaped to see the world through the eyes that they want us to see. And unfortunately, many people are following, falling to the defeat of, defeatism of believing that the only world that they can see is the world that they're telling us to see. And that the change that is ahead of us, we must make voluntarily in order to remain relevant. And part of that change is that we must comply with a digital world that will track, tag, and monitor every single thing that we do. We're being told that we can't live without it. 
we're being told that everybody's going to be participant whether you like it or not. And that's the part that really strikes a, a cross chord with me in, in such and the magnitude of the lie when I'm driving out in these rural areas. Sure, I can imagine a dystopian future where drones are flying everywhere and you've got rockets being fired down, destroying people because they're not moving into the cities and all this other stuff. But here's what we're missing in all of that. It's us. And again, it's these, every time we see these movies in these images, these things that are playing off in our head, which have been well-designed and well-programmed, it has all been designed for us to be worn down and to accept their future, the singular way forward. And it's shaped on so many levels. If you, if you're listening to a lot of the, if you're in a church that's speaking about revelation, you're going to hear about end of times, which ultimately is speaking one way or another to our heart that we have no hope of anything until Christ comes. If we're paying attention to dystopian science fiction films, it's going to be an evil-handed state like in 1984 with their truth commissions and all of their dystopian nonsense. Or it's going to be this sort of alien force, an artificial intelligence, a alien invasion, body snatchers, I don't know. Lizard heads. I mean, it, literally, this is the science fiction themes. Always about hum, humanity has no choice and ultimately must fight back with this ragtag group that in some miraculous way, only a handful survive but overcome the great impossible odds and then must restart over as everything is incinerated to the ground. That's pretty much the theme. And unfortunately, it's pretty much the only story we have in our heads. And that's a sad statement. One of the really neat stories by Ernest Hemingway was Big Two-Hearted River. And it's all a story about him fishing. And there's a lot of detail about catching the trout, releasing the trout. It's not that long of a story. I'd encourage you to read it. It's a very American down-home story. And to my understanding, a lot of that was written because after World War I, where he went over and was an ambulance driver, he had seen a lot of the battle injured and a lot of the worst of things because he was picking up the wounded and the dead. This story was spawned by him coming back and literally going fishing. And Ernest Hemingway was a big fisherman. So I just want to read a quote from Big Two-Hearted River. He sat on the logs. This is his character, by the way, that he's writing about He sat on the logs, smoking, drying in the sun, the sun warm on his back, the river shallow ahead, entering the woods, curving into the woods, shallows, light glittering, but water smooth rocks, cedars along the bank and white birches, the logs warm in the sun, smooth to sit on without bark, gray to the touch, slowly the feeling of disappointment left him. And there it is. The simple act of being in nature, the simple act of being outside, away from the noise and clutter of media, noise and clutter of 
what we're being told, and letting the world that God created speak to us. And this is what I find every time I go out. It doesn't matter whether I go to the property, I go up hiking at the river, go into the mountains. I don't have to go that far from where I'm at. This is one of the reasons I live where I'm at. Because I can get in my Jeep, and I can drive 30 minutes in either in any direction, and I can be in a rural area away from most people, especially if you know some of the back roads and the logging roads. And it, it gets us out of the space of the insanity and the frenetic crazy that goes on every single day. And it gives us time to reflect. Another quote by Henry David Thoreau, any early morning walk is a blessing for the whole day. For that matter, any walk in nature is a blessing for the whole day. And in doing so, we're reminded of all the beauty as Hemingway described in his, in his story, Big Two-Hearted River, of all the beauty and the natural events that are there where everything that we feel, the heaviness of our heart, all slowly dissipates as we set ourselves into the natural world where God creates and let the magic of God's hand simply work through us. And suddenly all of this nonsense that we're being told dissipates. I've been getting stories from people saying things like, I, I'm having to learn AI to keep my business relevant as we go into this transition. And I think you can probably guess that my response is not in a positive sense towards that comment. In fact, I'm going to read something to you today that I wrote to a friend who will remain anonymous. And it's this, because he, he wrote me about having to struggle with this. And I, and I respect this individual immensely. So I just want to be very clear. This is not, this is not a, a, uh, an assault on him. It's just that his perspective, I wanted to make the correction because as a friend, I needed to speak some truth. And so this is what I wrote. I said, there are two worlds. One that embraces the AI as master and the world that will fight to be free of its grip. You cannot play with AI or keep a company relevant unless you accept that AI will become your master. It is that simple. Once AI begins controlling systems you rely on, you will no longer be in control. And as more and more companies and individuals try to use, understand, and integrate AI to take advantage of a new age, all they have done is integrated into the fourth industrial revolution as devices to be used by the master control grid. AI is the ultimate trap, the beast system. The greatest part of it, people will accept, will accept it with their free will and will ultimately do as it says or what it requires because they built their empires on its foundation. An AI is not real, is not even something most people understand, yet they are using it. Every person that uses AI becomes part of AI's collective learning and expansion. Musk has said very recently that humanity will only survive if we integrate with AI to preserve our humanity. That statement is true, 
if you are trying to keep the same system to do the same thing and expect to be part of a digital age where everything is run by digital creations. I choose not to play. I am building my advancements in business based on hand skills, essential items, and maintaining my humanity. There is a breaking point coming, however. Not all will be able to leave the AI system. AI is the emerging master of the world of digital commerce and exchange. It is the, what AI ultimately is, is AI is the world that they have told us we must be part of. And it's the narrative that too many have accepted that we must be part of in order to survive. And yet, if we take the position of Hemingway and sit on the log and enjoy the moment in nature and let the sun dry us off after we stumbled and fell into the river and we listen to the birds and we pay attention to the grass and we listen to the stream flow before us and the intricacies of that language that happens as it ripples across the rocks and meanders through its various ways, we discover something amazing. The world hasn't changed, but we have. And we are the ones trying to change and escape the world rather than being in it. And there we are. In this amazing time where it seems so insane and we're so much out of control, every one of us in one way or another is seeking to put things into a framework of understanding. I have mine. There's others that are scriptural. Mine is a hybrid. And we become, each of us, fixated on the perspective in one way or another of how we see the world from the knowledge that we have. And every single one of us is wrong. And every single one of us is a little bit right. And that I know because we're human. But what we're doing when we go through all of this is that we are shaping our way that we see the world. Again, the same quote from Thoreau, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. When I sit and I looked at the cows today, and they're content, what they saw was me. What they, that created a re- auto response of him equals food equals bellow, so he knows that we want more food. They're not hungry, but that's the world they see. And there's a whole 20 plus acres, 25 acres, as they stand on less than two, that they can go meander on and be just fine and enjoy even going over to the, to the edge of the property where there's another herd of cows. When I first came up, they're all over there cuddling and pushing noses against each other. I guess that's having their powwow or something. But all of that, it vanishes because when I drove in, the world that they saw was me, a 
associated with tractor, associated with round bale, associated with open gate, associated with chug, chug, chug up the hill, drop the round bale, cut the, cut the wrapping off, and they then can feast on something new, which is actually something old because it's the same hay that they got yesterday that there's still plenty of on the ground. But their world distorted. And so when I went down and I took a picture of the calf as I was walking down, two of the calves see me, and whether they think I'm going to bring hay or whatever, they run, a bunch of the other ones run, and then suddenly they're like, oh, wait a minute, it's the dude in the Jeep, and then they all start coming to the fence because they think I'm somehow going to like pull a brown bale out of the back of my back and present it to them. They see me as food deliverer. And aren't we doing the same thing? Aren't we exactly doing the same thing? Whether we're painting a picture of the future and we become buried into our research to show us, to try to prove us. I'm, I was doing it. I've been doing it. As a matter of fact, I was reminded of this just shortly before this show by a good friend that I was becoming fixated on one interpretation. But we're all doing it. We're trying to put make sense to this world. And then we're trying to balance that with what we're being told this world will be. And the crazy part is that we're replaying what they said yesterday, the day before, the day before, the day before. And then we're looking forward to like, okay, what does this mean for the future, the future, the future? And we're missing what God presented to us in the day. So instead of walking into the world with open eyes, breathing with Father, enjoying the experience, forget about tomorrow. It doesn't matter. We have, by the way, we have zero control over what's coming. And I guarantee whatever's coming will not be any easier to deal with if you spend all your time figure, trying to figure out what's coming. And I guarantee you that what's coming won't be any easier if you obsess about what they've been telling you that you're supposed to obsess about for the last three weeks. Wisdom tells us that as we are working around and we're coming up with things and we're looking at our world around us and we're trying to build a place where we're more reliant on the skills that God gave us, what we discover is the true power and sense of who we are. We're not cows. At least we shouldn't be. Unfortunately, many have succumbed to that. In fact, I think it's even possible now to self-identify as a cow, and you can probably go to school and ask for a milking udder or a milking machine or something for your udder. I don't know. I Nothing at this point would surprise me. And that'll be the next one. Uh, Johnny has self-identified as a cow, and the school has provided a milking machine for him I, I, nothing would surprise me at all. And he's only eating grass now. Whatever. But when we put ourselves in the moment and we separate ourselves from the influences of what they're telling us we should be, and we're separating ourselves from the anxieties or concerns or, or obsession of what is to come, 
and we're breathing with God, it seems to me like we're truly beginning to live. I was watching this video from World Economic Forum, in which, by the way, I, I had not gone to their site, and I did the other, just yesterday, I think it was, for just a short while, and I was stunned by the amount of video production they've put out over the last four years. I had no idea they were churning out that much propaganda, but boy, I'll tell you, they have been busy. So I guess if you're going to control the world, you have to present a lot of information to make sure that people truly do believe in the future that you are insisting they believe in so that they will themselves manifest it by their own free will. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. So what happens when we start to shut all that off? And we start to let our minds work and start to see things and issues around us. We start to put more reliance on what we can do. I would argue that if every single person was to unplug from the system for a short time, a few natural things would start to surface. Number one, their minds would go through a process of slowing down a little bit because there's so much noise in the air. Number two, they'd have to start looking at the world they had before them. No matter what the station is, they'd have to pay attention to it. And that would spawn certain things. Maybe there would be a realization that the house needs to be cleaned or maybe there's a realization of certain duties that need to be taken care of. And then there would be this next level of like, wow, like how am I going to self-sustain if I don't have money? What am I going to do? I think these are natural occurrences when we start to unplug from this machine that is constantly running in our heads 24-7. I go back to the cows. The cows love hay, but the cows understand very well how to graze. That's well in their capacity, and they do. And unless there is an, an, a fence where they can't get through, trust me, if they, are, if they run out of water or run out of food, a couple of things will happen unless you've got them strongly pinned up. They will go through your fence, and they will find one water or food or both. It will happen. So they're not so dumb as to simply wither away and die. Unless, again, you have such a fortified barrier that they can't escape. So there's a couple of parts about that that we should look at from a human point of view. Right now, people are making an, impenetra an impenetrable fence and believing that they can't get through it. And if they don't adapt, they will die. They're believing this. And why are they believing this? Because they're being told that this new generation of existence is going to be reliant on digital everything and that you're going to have to deal with digital money and you're going to have to deal with you're going to have to deal with robotics replacing your job, but everybody is going to be a servant to this machine. And the only way you're going to survive is if you integrate with it to save humanity. But what nobody else, what people aren't saying is, but I don't want to be part of that system. Because that system has built a prison for me already in my mind. I can't escape it. I, the only way I can be in it is if I accept it and its rules, and then I am imprisoned. So don't imprison yourself.
set yourself free. That means think differently. It means be in the moment, be with God, experience what's before him. Don't worry about tomorrow. I don't care what's, I mean, I, I've had this, having a lot of discussions with a number of people about some theories on, there's a, you've, Duncan did a show on it the other night, on this theory of kind of a spiral overlaying realities and, and quantum inter, interlacing realities. It's all really good mind exercises. But at the end of the day, it's just mind exercises. Because the patterns that we're looking at in our life are happening as a greater awakening is happening in the public. But the real great awakening that needs to happen is our realization that we need to live in the moment. That's the ultimate awakening for me. Because once we destroy the influences that are driving us to obsess about the past or worry about the future, and we truly kill those off, which means that we are truly being resurrected and reformed and reborn in the presence of Christ to breathe and be in the moment, we're now fully alert and aware, connected and living. And so back to those World Economic Forum videos, because I, the one, I was looking for something in particular for Luke from VOR, who's been on the show a couple times. I didn't find it, by the way. I think they've actually erased it, which is kind of funny. But anyway. And I was watching the series on the medical stuff. And what was I was looking at was all of these advanced medical practices. They're talking about brain scans and looking at tumors and looking at these mechanical robots repairing hearts. And it, it just settled over me in a massive way. It's like God just sat down and said, how do you like that fiction? I went, wow, that is really a fiction, isn't it? He's like, yeah, it's mockery. It's mockery of what I've given each and every one of you. Because if you truly have trust in me and you can truly master the loving and forgiving heart and you can truly let go of this noise machine you're in, there's nothing through prayer and through your presence in the Holy Spirit that you cannot heal. Nothing. Cut off a finger, you can heal it. Cut off an ear, you can heal it. Lose an eye, you can heal it. You don't need a machine. You don't need the med beds. You don't need a robotic thing pulling an eye out of one other person to stick an eye in you. You don't need an eye being grown on the butt of a rat. That's their game because it's mimicking and mocking God at the same time because they can't create. But God has given us everything because of who we are as beings. The problem is that we're so separated from that true core of who we are, that anchored core of sitting on the log and enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit and connected with all things alive and real in the world. We're walking on concrete. We're walking with rubber shoes to separate us from the earth. We're walking in a world that's in a fantasy land because our minds are wrapped around the latest movie, the latest headline, the latest threat. And all of that is in our head, churning, 24-7. I mean, it's literally like a ticker tape running all the time. And all that noise and confusion 
there's it's limiting what we have is the greatness in us for our gifts and talents. We have to unplug. We have to step back from this craziness. And we have to start finding a way ahead here that's going to put a lot more focus on what God's given us in this world and in this moment. Because what's it going to look like it's another one of my thoughts today. It's like, okay, so, and, I, and I'm putting myself on the block here, okay? As I'm thinking today about walking through and these ideas of, you know, the timelines of things and the pasts of things and where they've come to, and I settle on, on this one moment where I'm like, wow, God, I would have never imagined being where I'm at five years ago, and yet here I am. What a blessed moment to be. What amazing space in this world to be with all that has been provided in its various forms to be in such an amazing moment in history where we are witnessing a true revealing of the dark to light and being in this revival of the love of you. And experiencing that through the various different realities that are in this world, the things that you've created, whether it's watching the Cavs innocently play and dance around, they, they really don't care about Les Schwab or Klaus Schwab, sorry, Klaus Schwab. And they really don't even process Harari. And they really don't give a rip about whether there's a drone in the sky or whether you there's a chat chat bot AB, AGT, AB, whatever it is, chat AGT, GT, GTB, whatever it is, this chat thing that they've got going that's AI writing everybody's stuff. They're out there still doing what they've always done because essentially they haven't changed. They've stayed in alignment with the world. We have changed. My grandfather would not have a second thought on how to handle cattle horses, how to fix a rope, how to play a fiddle, how to hunt and skin, how to fix a saddle, build a satchel bag out of leather, repair his Bronco, get in the ring and box as a sparring partner and win. I I could give you a list of a hundred different things he would do without even a second thought. And today, we be, it becomes a dramatic issue. We have to go back to school and learn this, and we have to learn that. Why? Because we've become so separated from the origins of who we were. We changed. The world didn't change. We changed. And we left behind when we changed. And why did we change? Because it was a lot more convenient. It was a lot easier, rather than growing our food, to go down and get the canned corn. It was now GMO corn that doesn't really function like corn anymore, and it's in tons of sugar. It's a lot easier to go get the beef out of the wrapped in plastic that's been frozen because it was butchered 500 miles away at some factory grown on GMO corn and whatever else they've done to it and given an unlimited injection. So you don't even know what you're eating. I'm surprised sometimes it doesn't crawl out of the frozen cooler section. We've accepted those things as a cost of changing 
we've changed. And so in the process of seeing these things change and hearing about these change, we dig deep into the, Father, where are we going? Father, how do we get out of this? Father, what's coming? But how often do we say, Father, I would just like to sit with you. I would just like to live whatever life I have in this moment, in this time, in this experience on earth with you. I would like you and I to walk together and be together and forget about this nonsense. Are you okay with that? And I guarantee you're going to get a resounding, you bet I am. And in those moments, when we're cruising along there and the anxieties get a little bit high, it's just like, hey, Father, I've been concerned about this. And I, I can almost guarantee you're going to get some response like this. Do you want to just take a walk together? It's like, yeah, that'd be a great idea. Let's take a walk together. Henry David Thoreau, could a greater miracle take place than for us to look through each other's eyes for an instant? How often have you asked to look at the world through Father's eyes? Ask him what he sees. What does the world look like to him? I have, and I will tell you. (laughs) It's, I have been blessed with having a couple moments, and they don't last long enough, I'll tell you right now, but there have been a couple moments And it's really when you start to appreciate those moments, you start to realize how absolutely futile and ridiculous a lot of this tail chasing is we're doing. We start to appreciate the innocence and the the joy that young animals have in the world. We start to marvel at the perfection in which a child sees the world. And we should start to look at ourselves and go, what the hell happened to us? That doesn't take away our need to be protectors of the children. It doesn't, need, it doesn't take away the fact that we've got an evil nemesis that would like very much to enslave us and turn us into their latest serving at a dinner party. But if you really think about it, if we were all in alignment in living in the joy of this moment with Father and in alignment with Father, they would have no power. We would be listening to one voice and one perspective. We would be seeing the world in its magnificence of what it is. And equally, there would be the righteousness that would come up appropriately and without hesitation, without fear, to resolve the issues that were before us, small or large, and we would be doing it together. This is not idealistic thinking. This is, you could, I could put this out on paper, force strength, overmatch. I can use all sorts of military terms to talk about it. You hear Biden the other day, if you're going to take on the government, you're going to need F-15s. I'm like, no, I don't need those, Biden. 
If I'm going to take on the government, I just need to pray to God. That's it. I've already got the biggest guy on the block. Don't tell me about your F-15s. It's dumb. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. So where we are right now is a choice. And it's really a choice of how we choose to live in the days that we have. Not a single one of us knows how long a life we have. We like to, there's a, I would say there's probably more enjoying this than there should be, but people looking around going, oh, another one died because they took the vax. (laughs) We really shouldn't be reveling in that. Because we don't even know what our own clock is. So, put this in a different perspective. If your last moments in life end up being obsessed about something that Harari or Klaus Schwab or the World Economic Forum or Biden or Kamala Harris to even add another nightmare to this mix, if that's your last moment of thought of worrying about something they are going, they said they will do to you, Just consider that being your last thought before you drop dead suddenly. And take that one to heaven and explain it. So uh, how how did your life end worrying about Kamala Harris? Oh, was your heart with me? Uh, To be honest, Father, no, it was actually worrying about Kamala Harris. Was she in your house? No. Okay. Um. Was she threatening you with a, with a weapon? No. Where was she? About 3,000 miles away, we think. Oh. And you were worried about that? Yes. Oh. And um, th- did the words fear not mean anything to you? I wasn't on my mind right then. Oh. Okay. I don't want to have that conversation. Okay. I'm just being straight. First of all, just the nightmare of dying with that witch on my head is just enough. And for that matter, any of these people. So, you know, even take this a step further. It's like, so what were you worrying about? Oh, I was worried about how this world was going to end and what was going to happen to this craziness that was going on and where we were going next and blah, 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 blah. Those were your last thoughts. And it, it'd be like with me, and like I could just see that something like that happening, seriously. And he'd be like, did you pay attention? Did you really pay attention to the perfect espresso that you just pulled a minute ago while you were doing all that mental gymnastics? Did you pay attention to the crema that was on top of that espresso and the perfect color that was there? Do you realize that was part of the world I gave you? Did you pay attention to that? Um, obviously not, Father. Hmm. And yet you said you love coffee, and I gave you the best ever. See? See how that works? If we're really focused into the gifts and the talents and the passions that we have, and we're not going to fear anything, I ask myself this, and I don't have an answer to this, but I want to leave you with this in a sort of a rhetorical sense. What happens when we stop believing in them and start fully believing in God? 
What happens when we stop worrying about what their next play is and what is going to come down the pipe and start worrying and focusing and believing fully in God? Because when I do that math, and I challenge myself with this constantly, when I do that math, every single time I come up with one answer, we win. Not in a little way, like a big way and almost instantly, we win. All right, folks, we're going to revive the Nephilim. They're going to come walking on the earth. Okay. I got God. You should be afraid. No. Don't really care. We're going to tear your head off. Okay. Cool. If God wants that, that's his will. Great. Otherwise, I'll throw a rock between your eyes and I'll drop you like a stone. And then just for the joy of it, I'll cut your head off because David did it and I'd want to experience what that was like. See, it's just, if we're going to be focused in God, all this other stuff, we just, we have a quick answer to, right to the point. God gave us all those narratives. You shall be afraid. No. Yes, you must. Gideon wasn't. Joshua wasn't. David wasn't. Yes, but those are old stories. No. They're God's stories. For me. For me right now. And you are irrelevant because the only person I'm living and breathing with is Father God. So thank you. Appreciate it. And get out of here. You're wasting my time. I want to be back in the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to enjoy the gifts and talents that he gave me. I'm going to mature them to their mass perfection. I'm going to be make my long-range shooting even better than it ever was. I'm going to shoot my arrow straighter and more perfect into the target than it ever was. I'm going to have a better workout than I've ever imagined. And I'm going to do that every single day. Every single day is going to be a new benchmark. I'm going to write a better story, but I'm not going to write it on the computer. I'm going to handwrite it with my pen because it feels good. It's alive. I'm touching the paper. All those things we can do if we make a simple choice. It's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. And to remember that things do not change. We change. And never forget, an early morning walk is a blessing for the whole day. And don't forget to ask to see the world through God's eyes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for this time we have together to reflect on a deeper and more wonderful wisdom that we too often forget. A simpler wisdom because we tend to overcomplicate things too much. Our minds like to spin up stories and imagine futures and weave webs and try to anticipate the unknown. And yet we should know better. Because no matter what we anticipate, we know it's going to be different. And no matter how we prepare, we never know it will never be enough. And no matter what happens, we also know that every plan never survives first contact. But what never changes, Father, is our love in you and the wisdom and guidance that you will always be there with us. Forgive us for these moments that we have had the transgressions and the deviations and all this other sort of stuff that we do so well. Instead of spending the time mastering and growing in the wonders of the world that you've given us. In this unique time, 
which is really quite amazing. The world is actually very clear. We see evil for what it is. It's a given. We don't even have to question it anymore. We don't have to fight people to say, oh, there you're a conspiracy. We just need to speak what we see, and they're going to have to accept it because it's right before them. And if they don't, that's their problem, not ours. And so that should release us from some of the burdens of building our great arguments and proofs to be able now to dig deeper into the gifts and talents which you've given us, to grow them, to mature them, and to be greater in this walk in life than we ever thought possible. So thank you. And we pray for that reminder and that blessing to settle in on everyone's hearts, to take a breath in, to take a breath out, and know that we're breathing and walking with you in the perfection of each step as you will guide us and direct us. And even when we stumble, to be reminded that you're there and it's part of us growing and maturing as your sons and daughters of heaven. Thank you, Father. We are truly blessed. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So I would encourage you this week. to continue to listen to Bards FM because it is your favorite show in the entire universe. But to disconnect from much of the news that is out here, to focus more on what's around you, to reflect on the fact that we don't know how long we are here, and to strive to achieve a greatness in appreciating every moment that we live. Our time has value. We don't have time to waste. The urgency really isn't of urgency of stocking more ammo or counting more silver. The urgency is only that we need to live more fully in him. Because every moment that we have here is a moment that we will never get back again but a moment that offers the greatest glory and wisdom that we could ever imagine. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I wish you a very blessed evening. I'll see you tomorrow at Bended Knee until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
Sometimes it takes all you got to believe. 